Blog Talk Radio. Washed in the sand, and by 
are gathered here this morning. Amen. God's family together. Amen. Isn't it good? Praise God. I'm glad to be here this morning. All right. Prayer requests. Have we, have we got any this morning? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Miss Charlotte? Oh, my goodness. All right. Yes, we will. Mama? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My goodness, my goodness. Yeah, that family we went to church with when I was growing up, and and I mentioned, I don't know how long ago it was that Jeff died, but I mentioned it, uh, you know, a friend of mine from growing up going to church with, he, he was my age, and we ran around together, and he, and he died, they found him dead, and then uh, his sister, who's the same age as my sister that lives in Arkansas, uh, and I was very close to her as well, and uh, she went into restored arrest and, and died. So uh, the lady she's talking about, we went to church with for years and years, and a great family and good people, and, and she's lost she's lost uh, two of her three children, and uh, both of them both of them younger than me. Um, so pray for them, pray for that family, and and like she said, her her husband is uh, he's had open heart, open heart surgery and he's got blood disease. And, He's not in good shape either. So, a sweet family, though. Others? Others we need to pray for? Yeah, we, we sure will. We sure will. And I pray for my little girl this morning. She was, she's okay, but I just want to make sure she's all right. All right. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Let's pray that God moves this morning in the service, that he speaks through me this morning from the Word of God, and that you get something. Amen? Let's go to the Lord and pray. Robert, lead us. Amen. You be seated. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? 
That's why I had to get sick in the strings. Speak evil of the ruler of thy people, 
But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees, the other part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, and of the hope and the resurrection of the dead. Am I called into question? And when he had so said, there arose an ascension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, neither angel nor spirit, but the, the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees part arose, and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the castle. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying, that if they would eat, they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. And when they were more than forty, then there were more than forty which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, "We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will not eat anything until we have slain Paul. Now therefore, ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he will bring him down unto you tomorrow, as though you would inquire something more perfectly concerning him." And we or ever he come we or ever he come near are ready to kill him. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. And so he took him and brought him unto the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me this young man unto thee. Prayed me to bring this young man unto thee, who had something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, What is that that thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring Paul tomorrow into the council, as though they would inquire something, somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not yield unto them, for they lie, there lie in wait for him more than forty men, which have bound themselves with an oath, that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. For now they are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain then let the young men, man depart and charged him, See, thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things unto me. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea, and horsemen three score and ten, and spearmen two hundred, and at a third hour at the third hour of the night and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter after this manner, Claudius Lysias, under the most excellent governor Felix, sendeth greeting. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and re rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. And when I would have brought, known the cause whereof they accused him, I brought him forth into their council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law but to have nothing laid this charge worthy of death or of bonds. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what they had against him. Farewell. Then the soldiers, as it, as it was, commanded them and took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. In the morning they left the horsemen to go with him and returned to the castle, who when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle under the governor presented Paul also before him. And when the governor was, had read the letter, he asked of what province he was, and when he understood he was of Cilicia. Uh, and he, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. And may the Lord make his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I'm so grateful. Lord, for, for truth. I'm thankful that Lord, you, 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 you've delivered to us truth time and again, Father. And Lord, we see Father, now you clear the covenant of our baptization. And Lord, we see Father, we're following him, things that are taking place. And Lord, we know that all these things are, are happening because you disobeyed your will and went against you, Father. And Lord, we're thankful that you're merciful. We're thankful, Father, that that's not the end when we fail. It's not the end when we mess up. Lord, we don't have to be 
Amen. And the law was to point them to Christ. But now we're living in the dispensation of grace. And at the end of this dispensation of grace, which is where I believe we are at, and I think you agree with me on that, we are facing apostasy in the church. Y'all agree with that? The church is apostatizing. It is it's left what it, what it was supposed to be, and it has become something different. And um, if you look at the T.D. Jakes and the Benny Hens and the Joe Osteen in the way, and you can see how it has gotten and it's going to get worse before it, before it ends. But we see apostasy at the end of this age. We'll understand that there was also apostasy at the end of the age, uh, uh, the dispensation of the law. And so you had an empty vain temple show of religion, but yet there was nothing there. And so Paul, I believe, that was his that was his theme was to to show them that this is dead and that you need Christ. So if we if we saw in chapter twenty two, he was they listened to him, they heard him until he mentioned that God, the Christ said to him to go to the Gentiles, and at that point, just to re- recap, they went nuts. The Romans are watching Paul speak to them in Hebrew, and of course they don't understand Hebrew, so they're watching everybody. And then all of a sudden, when he said, I go to the Gentiles, again, they start ripping their clothes in half. They started yanking off their clothes and throwing them off of them and picking up dirt and throwing dirt in the air and screaming and weeping and wailing. And the Romans said, hang on a minute. Hold on. What is going on here? We have got to, we, you know, he done said something bad. We don't know what he said, but he said something horrible, and, and we're fixing to find out. So they went about to scourge him. Y'all come on in. They went about to scourge him, and that's when he called, he called his Roman court and said, here, y'all going to scourge a Roman and have everybody condemned? I'm not right there, fellas. And that's when they held off because they realized they'd get in trouble for violating their own law. I'm going to run out of time. I ain't going to get to preach this, amen? <laughs> but uh, just trying to recap. So anyway, they, they said, all right, well, tomorrow we'll bring your counsel down here and you can place them and we'll, we'll get this straightened out. So that's what we're going to pick up. Look there in verse 1. And Paul, earnestly beholding the counsel, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. Amen. I want you to realize Paul knew every one of those men. Paul had been, he had been associates with those men. Having been, again, we talked about Gamaliel last week. He was raised up, trained at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a he was a, a contemporary of Stephen. He he knew these men who sat on the Sanhedrin. They were very familiar. And he's looking at them, staring them dead in the eyes. And he calls them men and brethren. He's saying, "You're my brothers. Not only after the flesh, but we've grown up together. We've come up together. Amen. Not only are we all Jews, but we we know one another." And he said, he makes this statement, he said, I've lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. And somebody might say, how could you say that, Paul? You, you, you killed Christians. How could you say you lived in good conscience before God up to this day? When you break down the word conscience, con means with. Okay? You heard of chili con carne? Okay? That means chili with meat. Amen? And I know the Bible ain't written in Spanish, but the word con, the perfect con means with, just like sin means without. Okay? But con, conscience, science. Science is supposed to mean knowledge. It doesn't really anymore, but because most of the science today is just a bunch of baloney. But he said, with the knowledge I had, I lived in all good knowledge before God of this day. In other words, when I was killing believers and handcuffing and arresting believers, I was doing it with the knowledge, the good knowledge that I had. I was doing it as right as I knew how to do. And I believe Paul is still in his, he's still in his mind trying to get conviction to fall upon these Jews because he's reminding them, I did it, but you were the ones who were behind it. You were the ones pushing it. You were the ones for the murder. And the high priest Ananias commanded them to stood back to smite him on the mouth. Hey, the fire out of that lion sucker. That's what he was saying. Pop him in the mouth. And Paul said unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for sinnest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? He was, he was commanding him to receive punishment, and he had not been convicted of a crime. In 
And then Paul says, well, in verse 4, they, they, they that stood by asked him a question, and when he made that statement, God's going to smack you, you whited wall. You know, I call it a whited wall. Scripture and pull them out 
and, and you know they like to use that judge not verse a lot. Uh, there are people like that, but then there then there are the Pharisees of today, and and, and they're sincere people, and they mean well, but uh, but their commitment is to, to a church house rather than the, the Lord of the church. Their commitment is is to to uh, their commitment is to the form, but not the real thing. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof—that's the Pharisaical crowd. And so Paul, he, he again, Paul is trying his best to uh, to get away from this crowd because he realized what they're about to do. And so he again he pulls out his Pharisee card and gets them to fighting with each other. Amen. Now, why is it so important? Why is it so so essential that he does that? Well, because the resurrection is the most essential thing that, that he could ever bring up. Amen. Turn in your Bible to First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and we're really going to focus there from the rest of the rest of the way out this morning. Uh, I want us to turn our attention there. First Corinthians chapter one. Um, yeah, no, First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Rather, I said fifteen. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. I know the first verses are very familiar to you. But we're going to look at, the, at, the, at a lot of the chapter before we get out of here this morning. Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen also of me, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. I want to continue on something I said earlier. Again, when when Paul is speaking these things, we're the dispensation for transition from law to grace. And again, we've come to the end of the dispensation of the law. Now I can and I can say to you, I, I do believe I understand why God would not have Paul go back to Jerusalem again. When John the Baptist came, he preached the message of Jesus Christ, and the Jews rejected John the Baptist, and he was beheaded. Okay. Then Jesus came, and Jesus preached. He preached. He preached the message of the Father and the kingdom. He preached the message of salvation, and they rejected him, and they crucified him. The Jews rejected him, their Savior. And then Peter preached, up and preached it, and they tried to kill him. They would have killed him if God had not delivered him. They rejected it a third time from the Apostle Peter. And then Stephen stood up, and Stephen proclaimed. And the Jews rejected him fourth time and killed him. And at that point, God took his hand off of the Jews and began to deal with the Gentiles. And now Paul is dealing with the Gentiles. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. And God has separated himself from trying to reach the Jews anymore. And Paul drags it all back to Jerusalem to try one last time. And again, just to the last final measure, they rejected all over again. Amen? They have ultimately rejected it completely five times. I'll tell you right now, America is at, is almost at that point. America has almost thrown the Lord away. We are almost at the end. Amen? But the resurrection, it was all that was really important. Amen? Uh Paul is declaring, amen, he's declaring Jesus' victory. Amen, he's declaring to these, to these men that Jesus has defeated sin. 
He has defeated death. He's trying to proclaim to them that he has defeated the powers of evil. Amen. He, he makes available. Uh, he makes available victory to those who believe in him, but yet they don't want it. He gives them hope of life beyond death. Amen. He gives them the opportunity to experience living in a resurrected body on the other side of all this, but yet they don't want it. They throw it away. Let me continue on here in, in verse 15, in chapter 15. we got a little more time. I want you to hear it. Where did I leave off? Do anybody remember? Let's pick up verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection from the dead? It's as if this was written in that, in that moment, the way he speaks these things. He said, how say there's some that, that, that say that there's no resurrection of the dead. He's speaking of the Sadducees. He said, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. It's empty. And, and your faith is also vain. And we are found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is, Christ, is not Christ raised, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life also we have hope in Christ, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If all we can do, if, if all we're doing is wishing and hoping, what a miserable bunch we'd be. Amen? But praise God. Praise God. Christ is risen from the dead. Amen? But now is Christ risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he have put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith, all things are put under him. It is manifest that he is accepted, which he which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? We And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts and Ephesus, he's referring to when he was there in the temple of Diana of Ephesians, and he said it was like fighting a bunch of wild animals. He said, I was fighting amongst men. He said, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Because if Jesus didn't rise, why are we even here fighting? I mean, I'm assuming he was saying the same things there, thinking the same things there. These men who don't even believe in the resurrection, what's your fight? What's your peace? If all you believe in is if we could end this life, there's nothing more, then why are we arguing? Amen. If you really don't believe in it, what's your problem? I tell you what the problem is: men are evil, and men want control, and men want to rule over other men. Amen. That's what it comes down to. I could keep on reading. I could finish this chapter out, but I, I, I think I'm not. I think I'm just going to pause there. I'm just going to talk to you, and we're going to close it out. What blows my mind? Well, let's look at our let's look at our, our text. Look at Acts chapter twenty-three. There's a verse in here I didn't really look at and pay attention to. But it's verse 11. It's verse 11, and it shows, the, it shows the mercy of God. It shows the goodness and the mercy of God. It gives me such great comfort. 
The night following, the Lord stood by him, stood by Paul, and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. God is so merciful. And I'm going to tell you something happened in mercy. Oh, my goodness, I can't mercy. Because you know what? I mess up. Sometimes I, I mess up. Sometimes you do too. Sometimes we fail God. Sometimes we get stubborn. And we decide we're going to do things our way. And, and we find ourselves in a place in our life we never meant to be in. We never expected to be in. Sometimes we, 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 we get to find our head. No matter where we go and what we do, God will let right along and go along with us and whatever our plans are. But that's not how things work. God has a plan for our life. God has God has direction. God has a goal. God has things He wants us to achieve in life. And if God and God said, you know, the Bible says his ways are above our ways, it's not above our problems. And you see, folks, with Paul, he didn't realize that God didn't want the Jews to have to reject Jesus all over again one more time. God was done. And God had walked away. And when God walks away, ain't no business for us trying to go back and fix something. When God's done, God's done. But thank God, God's a merciful God. That even though Paul was so hard headed that he had man after man after man, and even told them to tell him, if you go down there, you're going to be in trouble, boy. You're going to be arrested. They're going to put you in handcuffs. You're going to go to jail for what, you, what you're doing. And he just went ahead and did it anyway. Stubbornly, foolishly, against God's will, thinking that he could somehow do God's work without God. And he went right on down there and tried to do it. And even though he went through all that, and even though they tried to beat him, I mean, they were whooping the tar out of him out in the middle of the street when the Roman soldiers come and got him. They were going to kill him. I mean, I dare say they had him beat him back there. And through all of that, and these Jews coming in, and the Romans have to come and rip them away, rip them out of them. They're like a bunch of wild animals. They're about to carry them limb from limb. And the Romans saved him out of that and take him, and they put him, they put him in somewhere in a hole. And during the night, God comes to him. And he says, Paul,
I wonder if you'd do that this morning. Would you stand together with me? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we're going to sing the same invitation. We're going to sing number 345. So if you want to turn there and find it, you can. But we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to ask God to meet with us during this invitation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven,